Welcome to the Journey with Care podcast. We're excited to give you a special weekly Upside Down Christmas Advent Series, an initiative of Care Impact. Every week until the new year, we'll explore the flip side of hope, peace, love, and joy, and how everyday people find these gifts in some of life's most difficult moments. So grab a hot cup of your favorite drink, sit by the proverbial fire as we journey through Christmas with care. We are here in the unceded traditional territories of the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. And we have with us in our studio, overlooking the Pacific Ocean, Bear. Welcome to the podcast. Snachalia. I'm so happy to be here. My name is Bear in my language. Well, I'm going to repeat everything I just said in English. Just so thank you. you. Know. Yeah, I, I'm still rusty. <laughs> so thank you. I appreciate you doing yeah. it in your language, though. No, my name is Sascho, which means Big Bear in my language. My English name is Randall Bear Barnettson. I come from the village of Narle within the Dademu Bear Clan and the Dakhouth Yinka Dene Nation. We're here on the unceded territories of the Coast Salish people, the Hokamelem and Hokamelem, the people who speak the language, the people of the land, from here on the Pacific Northwest Coast. And we are overlooking the beautiful Pacific Ocean. One of my favorite views, we're right across the False Creek from one of the traditional villages of the Coast Salish people. It was one of my auntie, uh, Melody Gleason Lala, was her ancestral village right there. Mm. That's great. I'm so glad that you've taken the time to meet here. And it's a pretty exciting week. You have just released and published a book. Can you tell us a little bit about this project that you have? And then we'll get into some more personal things. Absolutely. It, it's a little surreal to say that I've you know, done the artwork, released and published a book. That's uh, something I've always wanted to do. And hearing you say that now, I'm like, oh, shoot, I just, I, <laughs> I, I can check that off the bucket list now. Um, yeah, following in uh, my family's footsteps. Uh, I come from family of authors and people in our community. Lots of uh, the Nate's crew we we're talking about, you know, Richard Twist, uh, Terry LeBlanc, Ray Aldridge, Cheryl Bear, Wendy Peterson, all these beautiful indigenous scholars and authors. And yeah, I get to put my name up with them. And what a small world when you mentioned that to me about this book. And I'm like, those are people that have deeply influenced me. Wendy Peterson, I, I mentioned she's been an advisor to me. And big influencer, actually, for Care Impact, somebody who I consulted on a regular basis. And I've been um, following the Nates community around because they have given me a lot of wisdom and continue to do that. Mm. And so you were a little child when Nates was being developed, right? You were literally under the table while these things were being planned? I was. Well, this project is, is based on my art, but my upbringing was sitting under the tables and on the tables as well with the uh, doing a crayon art and well, alongside with my mom, Cheryl Bear, and then being teased and having muffins thrown at me by Richard Twist and uh, <laughs> in these meetings. And that was, uh, that was my upbringing. So from crayon art under the table to a published book. Wow. Um, so the book, we're going to be putting the link into the show notes because we want our audience to go out and buy this. It's a great Christmas gift as well. We're, we're mm-hmm, entering mm-hmm. into the Advent season. It's called the Nativity. Is that correct? Native itty? Yes. Native. Native itty. Native itty project. Nativity. I've taken the nativity story and created 12 artworks around them and decolonized the story of Jesus's birth. 
Mm. I've tried, I've been very careful with the language there. Um, as I've learned from a lot of my elders that I know that the words like gospel, um, very charged words. Mm -hmm. Um, and they don't land well on some of my relatives ears. So I've been very careful with this project to be very careful with this story and also our stories and holding the two together as Ray Aldred says. Actually, he might've taken it from someone else, but <laughs> <laughs> I heard him say it the last time I, he spoke, but holding the two stories together and as difficult as that may be in some cases, doing our best to walk to, with these two together. So give me an example what our readers could expect when they pick up that book, when it comes in the mail, because they will order yeah. it, right? Um, when they look through that book, give me an example of how that art and those words get brought to life in an appropriate way. Well, I think my favorite, well, I wouldn't say favorite piece, but one of my favorite pieces in this project was my telling of the Magnificat, uh, Mary's Magnificat. Typically, I absolutely love that passage, but taking a step back from that and thinking about what's going on in that story, hermeneutics, as some might say, what's going on in the context of that story, mm -hmm. and like what's happening for Mary. This is a miraculous thing. It's kind of crazy to think about. You know, we as Christians, we don't often think about, that's a kind of a crazy story. Yeah. <laughs> you know, miraculous Seriously. birth. It's, yeah, we believe it. I believe it. Not knocking Mary or anybody. I'm not, not being, uh, committing any heresy here. Not knocking <laughs> But the, my, I hold up the story of the raven steals the sun in this piece. So my portrayal of the Magnificat, I put a, it's a, a raven picture, a raven image of the raven stealing the sun. As in the story of the Northwest Coast, I believe it's a Haida story, but it's been adopted by a lot of different nations, is that the sun is in the sky because of Raven. And this is just one of our stories. It's a, called a legend, called a myth. But when settlers first came here, they said, that's a crazy story. But here's a book about a guy who got swallowed by a fish for three days, and it's called the Book of Jonah, and this is what you need to believe. This is our version of crazy stories, but your crazy stories are uh, just myths and legends and to be dismissed. So that never sat well with me. That's never sat well with a lot of indigenous people. And that's been something that my elders like Richard Twist and Cheryl Barron, all of them have really butted their heads against of saying the legitimacy of our culture, of our stories, and holding those in, holding those alongside the gospel story and saying, hey, this, take us seriously. As Richard mm -hmm. Twist said, we don't want you to see us as the other. We want you to see us as your partner, as your brother, someone you would like your colleague you work with that we're equal partners here. Our stories are equal. There's the Hebrew story, there's the Haida story. Both stories are equal. And it brings me to the passage that if we seek God with all our hearts, we will find him. And creator can be found in creation. It can be found through people that are his created beings. Mm -hmm. And I was surprised by that too, actually. It kind of threw my theology off a little, put me through a little ringer it just twisted, like it, it just kind of wrecked me a little bit because when I was in, I spent a few years in Bolivia, predominantly indigenous. And as I traveled through that country, as I was living there, there were a lot of oral traditions. There were a lot of accounts. And, and then I did studies around the world. I did my master in global studies and I realized the account of creation, the accounts of the flood, the accounts of different things. There's, I'm like, where have I heard this before? Maybe uh, with yep. different imagery, but I'm like, wow, 
And these are people groups over thousands of years that were not in contact with each other. Mm-hmm. So I guess the question I have for you, how do you, we're, we're talking Advent and today we're going to touch on the, the flip side of peace and we can go wherever you want with that. Um, and there's a lot to go with. I, I know we're, yep. we're touching on a hot yep. topic here, but how do you reconcile who you are as an Indigenous person, as an Indigenous lover of Jesus, and the Christmas you walk down those streets on Davy and Denman? How do you reconcile yourself with the Christmas you experience right now? Well, I'm a December baby, so I love Christmas. Oh, first well, off, the, oh, we'll go big there. Big party for you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my birthday is December 16th, so it's just far enough away from Christmas Coming that I, I got to do, I got both a birthday and a Christmas. I know a lot of people didn't. December babies don't get both presents. I did, so I'm, I'm quite thankful there. But talking about me as an indigenous follower of the Jesus way, yeah. as Richard Twist would put mm-hmm. it, bringing that into the Christmas story, bringing that into our modern context, what does that look like? It's a, every day it's different. Every day it's different. I'm working on a project right now. I've actually just finished making a Northwest Coast style headdress. And I'm very proud of this project. I was had it displayed in the Libby Leshko Gallery at Emily Carr. And it actually received some pretty negative critique about not just the material base of it, but the fact that like indigenous ceremonial object is in a gallery space and it shouldn't be in a gallery space because gallery space is for the Western gaze and it's, there's all this art conversation around it. And it was quite controversial. I don't think it's controversial. Uh, I've been taught by my elders that we need to walk in both worlds, that everything that we do, everything that we have here on the Northwest Coast is embedded and adorned with art. And our stories are in our art. Um, we, if you go to like the MOA example, museums, whole other topic we needed to call it as the museum space, but the MOA here, they do a decent job with some things. One other piece that they have on display is a giant uh, feast bowl for a potlatch. It's absolutely stunning. And they have these giant spoons there that feel like for the, for the bowl, the bowl is as big as your average table. It's huge. It's beautifully carved and painted. And I was, was there with an elder and this elder said, he was like, everything we have had art on it, everything we had a meaning. This was also just a spoon though. In some cases, it's just a spoon, but also in some cases, it's a ceremonial object for the potlatch. But in other cases, it's an art piece. Everything is in tandem. Everything is working together. All, it's all three. It's more it's, integrated. It is. It's not just one thing. It's not, it's not just being a follower of Jesus. It's not just being in our modern context. It's not just being an indigenous artist. I have to somehow balance all three and walk in all three. And I can't really take a day off from that. So, Bear, what inspired you to write this work and um, do the paintings for this art project. What's the backstory? Well, this particular project, I have to say it's the we, these, these elders who have been influencing my life and like Cheryl Bear, Brian Braycloud, Wendy Peterson, Richard Twist, Ray Aldred, Terry LeBlanc, that, that goes on, like Casey Church, it goes on and on and on. Mm-hmm. All these beautiful elders who have instilled so much in me of positive indigenous identity and decolonizing the the Bible story and seeing Christ through the the lens of an indigenous worldview. And 
that that's okay. And the fact that for them, they had to fight to be able to say that. For me, now that I can, I can write a, a whole book with art pieces that speak to this is monumental for me, that I can walk in their footsteps. So it's, kind of, it's been decades in the making. For me, it's been several months, but for the, the we, for my elders, uh, I say we as in Robin Walk, I think it's Robin Walk Kimmerer, one of the indigenous scholars of today, they identified as she, we, because the we was all of her elders, all of her ancestors that were speaking through her. She said, their words are coming through me that I have learned from them and I'm passing them on to you now. So it is the we that is speaking to you. I'm not going to be so bold as to say that we, the, also my mom's still alive, so she might kick me in the pants if I say something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's the we has really brought this project uh, together. And I really like that because one thing at Care Impact, what we found, the reason that we exist is because we need more we across this, this land. Mm-hmm. And when we lack the we from our past and even in the present, we lose sense of self and society. And so much, it's never a lack of resources or there's not a quick solution or a a policy in government that can change history so much as bringing back that we. Mm. Yeah, community. It's all about community. It's absolutely community. And it's beautiful to hear that that is your why for writing this book. And, And I think I have a hunch with beautiful artwork that you have been working on and putting your story in and and those that the foundation you've been given to write these stories in this book, I have a feeling that you're going to be expanding other people into that story. What do you hope readers will take away from this book? Well, at the end of the day, my hope is that to, to make my dad proud. My, my late father, Pastor Randy Barnett, and he pastored the street church for 30 years in the downtown east side of Vancouver, gave over 2 million hot dogs to the poor. And he passed away in 2020. And most days I struggle with my faith. And also being an indigenous person, um, every time, I feel like every time I turn on the news, there's another reason to uh, be discouraged mm. uh, about uh, the state of affairs within Canada and indigenous peoples and also the church and indigenous peoples. But all I know is that I love my dad. I love my family. And I want to do them proud. Mm. And I want to share our stories. So we're talking about peace for this Advent series. and. The things you're describing are all the things that are not peace. And I think reconciliation can be a big buzzword, but how do you find peace when all around you, you're finding in the news and and things that are not the way they should? How do you deal with that? I'd say with hope, ancha in my language, in Dakar, hope is ancha. And I know this podcast is about peace. Last week was about hope, sorry. Uh, <laughs> but how you, I can you really <laughs> like take them apart, dissect them, right? I, I I don't think I can. Um, my peace comes from my hope in Creator, in the spirit world, in my ancestors that have passed on. Knowing that one day I will meet my Creator, and one day I will see Wendy Peterson again. One day I will be able to hug my father again. My hope is not here in the physical world; it's in the spiritual world, and that's where I put, it's my peace as well. I can, I can live knowing that tomorrow will come in the spirit world or in this world. I am certain of that. Do you find doing art 
as a way of making sense of things? Or is there a peaceful element to doing art? Well, image is worth a thousand words, right? It helps me put these things into perspective. So speaking of uh, on this topic of peace and whatnot, and one of the pieces in this project is called The Witness. And for me, it's, uh, it's a moon design. And uh, ancestor moons always represent the witness for me. As a person who lives with depression, peace feels far mm-hmm. most days. Mm-hmm. Um, I lived clinical depression for my entire life. Most nights I stare out at the moon and that's, it's tough sometimes mm-hmm. <laughs> to put it lightly. And when I see the moon, I feel I've come to know the moon as creator's witness to my pain. Wow. That if through the night there is light from reflected to me and the creator sees my pain. And I know that my ancestors have felt the same way. And I know that Mary and Joseph felt this way in their story, because we believe that they were real people, that this isn't just a story. They saw the same moon that we see. Mm-hmm. That moon that witnesses me, witnessed them as well. That moon witnessed the pain of my ancestors and also witnesses my pain. And so there's peace in that, peace mm-hmm. that I am seen by my creator. That's uh, for the scripture verse that I attached to that piece was, you are the God that sees me. So just like Hagar in Genesis says, you are the God that sees me. I feel seen by my creator through the moon as this medium. And so I'm able to paint that. And when you see the piece and you see a lot of moon designs in my, my work because of that, I've, I add that as an element of, of witness of creator is there, creator sees this, that this moment or this thing is, is not um, unimportant. Creator mm. sees you, creator knows you, you are important, you have a reason to live. Wow, that's really powerful. And I guarantee you the next time I look out, which will be tonight, and I see the moon, you've schooled me here. And I'm going to be a little bit of a devil's advocate in this because I am Caucasian, I'm a settler. And that's a loaded <laughs> statement right there. <laughs> and I'm in the process of decolonizing. Now, I can receive that. I, I know the people that have educated you. They're people I trust. Actually, one of them was my advisors in seminary. We actually know a lot of the same people. And I'm just like, mm-hmm. wow, you're so lucky. I wish I could have colored under their table <laughs> because I follow them around. I read their books and they have influenced my faith and brought me closer in the way of Jesus. And now just that example of looking at the moon and see, but as a white settler, you know, there's a lot of people that might be skeptical and say, oh, well, you shouldn't worship the moon. Or they might look at artwork and say, mm, that looks a little bit spiritual and mm. it's not uh, European yeah. design. But you are actually saying you are seeing creator through his creation. Mm-hmm. Which is we call natural revelation in theological studies. Scripture even aligned with that? We can mm-hmm. see through mm-hmm. his creation. Yeah, well, that's another piece that I, I put. It's uh, in the book called Dinzu. In my language, Dinzu means good or it is good. And we see that in Genesis, the Genesis story, where creator creates all of the land and he says, it is good. The land is good. It's not the land that we worship as creator. It's not right. the moon that we worship as creator. It's creator in the moon that we, we see and we love. It's creator in the land that we see and we love. Mm. Because he's infused his spirit. He said, it is good. Every creator is in everything. Yeah, yeah. No, that's beautiful. That is what we call forth. So for you, in this example, and I'm sure there's many examples in creation, 
But the moon for you, and thank you for your vulnerability in sharing about your your own journey with depression, but the moon has a symbol of peace in that, correct? Because mm-hmm. that, that is a, a reminder of who God is and it, creator is shining down on you, mm-hmm. which is a beautiful imagery. Well, just um, I'm reminded of the, I think it's in the New Testament somewhere where one of the apostles is saying that Jesus is witnessing to the Father on our behalf. Mm. He's sharing, he's advocating for us on Christ's behalf. And we see that, and this is just a metaphor for that. Mm. I'm not saying creator yeah. is the moon. I'm right. saying that I see see this in, and I feel this, as I'm sure that my ancestors did as well, that we see creator in the land. And this is different from, we're talking about settler perspectives, indigenous perspectives. I can look out at the land and I can see creator's hand in all of this. And the beauty of this and think there's no way that this could, this, the big bang, this, there's no mm. way, no way. There had to be a master plan. This is too beautiful. This is perfect. Especially here in Vancouver. It's the most beautiful city in the world. I'm a little biased. I'm from East Van, but that's, uh, we call it natural revelation. I was in Tofino earlier this year and I don't know if you've ever been to Tofino, but no. it is one of the most stunning places in the world. The way, cause it's right, it's almost as far west as you can go. And the waves just crash, they're huge waves. And you, I could stare at them forever. I, I was on the beach there staring at these waves all day because they were just so big. And you just see the power of the ocean and just the frosty of it. It's, it's magnificent. I think the creator, man, he made this. Someone had to have made this. This isn't happenstance. This is stunning. This is, yeah. Yeah. And that's beautiful. And, and then I see you taking that in your hands with paint and with art. And you are being a creator in the image of the creator. And as an image bearer of the creator, you... Small C creator. Right. (laughs) Absolutely. We should preface that before I'm called a heretic. But (laughs) but God has created us as creative beings. Mm -hmm. And you are allowing that to be unleashed onto paper, sharing with the world little C creation um, Mm. through imagination, right? Nobody gave you a stencil to say, hey, paint this and color within the lines. You created that because you were created in the image of God, which is Mm. beautiful. So tell me now, in the topic of peace, I would love for you to speak to our listeners for those that are not feeling peace in their hearts. Maybe they're going through depression and they're really identifying with what you shared, or maybe they're just feeling unrest. Maybe they're feeling that tension. We have Indigenous listeners feeling that tension, what you are describing here in many places across Canada. What kind of encouragement would you give to them in their lack of peace? How would you encourage them? What's your wisdom? What's your takeaway for those of us who are pursuing peace and we're having a hard time finding it? You're not alone. You're not alone in your unrest, in your lack of peace. You're not alone. Creator sees you, Creator hears you. When he was Jesus, Creator as Jesus, lived with unrest. He was born into a crazy situation. Mass genocide as soon as Jesus was born, inducted by like King Herod at the time. And then they, they flee to Egypt, they're displaced peoples. Creator lived in an unrestful situation. Creator understands, he sees you, he loves you. You are seen, you are loved, and you're not alone. Today, I was at a Tim Hortons <laughs> trying to get a coffee before I came to, to meet with you guys. And as I'm sitting there, uh, about 12 cops come into the Tim Hortons. And I was like, oh, shoot, they, they, 
Mm. Like I'm, I'm not guilty of anything, but immediately I'm looking over my shoulder. I'm a big native guy. I've got a ponytail and these things go through your head immediately. I'm not feeling peace. I'm feeling anxious. I'm feeling anxiety. I'm looking over my shoulder. I'm like, this isn't, this isn't a fair situation. This is that this is the reality for most people of color, for indigenous people in Canada and in most places in the world, especially America, that lack of peace, that anxiety is very real. And it's mm. unfortunate. It's uh, unfortunate is the uh, understatement of the yeah. century there. And in those moments that we face, I can only think of the, the we, I can only think of my ancestors. I can only think of my creator and imagine that I'm not alone. I know that I'm not alone in that situation because my mom feels that way. Those are sto- that's my mom's story. That's the story of most indigenous peoples. I, I can guarantee that that's, I wasn't the only person that had that happen today. You know? mm. Oh, you're not alone. Now, I would love for you to speak to me as a Caucasian settler. What is it that I can do and other people around me that, let's face it, there is privilege. We live in a systemic privilege and it's just been part of where I've been raised in. Talk to me about what can I do to pursue peace for we that it's not just for myself or philanthropy and do-gooding, you know, but authentic we-ing, if that's a word. It's probably not. I'm probably butchering <laughs> even the whole concept, and I apologize. No, no, you're not But, but the community, a, like, yeah. what is it that would be one step, give me one nugget, that me and my listeners, that the settler listeners here today can take away that could be a baby step towards pursuing peace so that we can be we in community. I love that. And I think you phrased that very well. Uh, authentic weeing. <laughs> we I might have that. to coin that. <laughs> <laughs> it's perfect. It's a perfect term. But I think the, one of the specific words that you said is settler listeners, listening. I think that would be my takeaway. Listen, listen, new indigenous story. Listen to our stories and buy the book. But <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. Let, let's do that but, as a takeaway. But uh, yeah. listen, listen to our stories. Yeah. Uh, listen to us. We're right now. We're sitting. We're having a coffee. We're sharing our stories. We're not that different. We have different, you know, relation to systemic oppression, obviously. Mm-hmm. But as humans, we're not that different. We're both striving for the same thing. We both are striving for peace. We're both striving for justice in our society, in the systems that be. Listen to our stories. Hear our experiences. And don't center yourself in those when you hear someone's story, it's not about you. When you're authentically listening, it's not about responding. This is a talking circle teaching. So when we're doing a talking circle and we're sharing in a circle that you're not thinking about what you're going to say when it's your time to share or to in response to the person, you're just listening to that person, telling their story, telling what's on their heart. Typically what's on their heart is then they introduce themselves and their land, their people, their community. That's what we always talk about in our circles. But we listen. Don't think about what you're going to say sit with where their words, absorb those, and then respond. Oh, settler listening, listeners, listen. We're going to have to buy more mics because he keeps dropping it. (laughs) 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 You know, but that is so powerful because often we think that we've got to do something and and there is some responsibility to do. It's not just be passive listeners, but the power in listening is incredible. Because we always say with our podcast with Care Impact, we, we say it always makes sense once you hear their story. 
Mm-hmm. But so often we're to the, how do we fix things? Oh no, shoot. It's like the, the, the kid in the, the China shop that breaks something. Well, yeah. settlers have broken a lot of things, both in the China shop. Most but... treaties, but... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> True. <laughs> yeah, I had a, a, a former friend, a former friend mm-hmm. of, uh, went to church with me. He, he said, hey, Bear, I want to take you out for coffee. Uh, you know, I've got some questions about, you know, indigenous stuff. And I was like, all right, all right, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll go for coffee with you. And we go for coffee and he says, you know, I'm trying to get into UBC and they've got a really big focus on like indigenous people. So, you know, I think it would be really good for my portfolio if, you know, I could figure, if you could help me figure out how to, to fix that, your guys' problems. Ah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and I just stood there and I was like, oh man, we were friends. You just had to go and ruin it. Come on. <laughs> and I was like, you can't fix it. You can't fix the problem. There's a lot of things. He was like, okay, well, what, you know, is it mental health stuff? Is it money? Do you guys need money? I was like, no, man, we're, I'm, we're, it, we're not a problem to be fixed. You know, we're friends to be had. Amen. We're not a problem to be fixed. Sit and listen with us. Richard Twist said that. He said, we don't want your old clothes. Don't donate your stuff. Don't go do a tent meeting. You know, see us as colleagues, see us as equals and come alongside us in what we're doing. And it's never a resourcing issue that like, you can't yeah. throw enough programs at and money at. And I'm not saying none of that isn't necessary as we decolonize, but that's not the main issue of fixing the the solution or like finding the solution. It's always a relational problem. Yes. And oftentimes, I'm going to get super political, the relation to the land and talking about resources and extraction of resources. And when it comes down to it, that's our relation to the land is important and it's key in community, people, place, these things. And so that's usually where it comes down to. We talk about relation, our relation to the land, to our communities comes first and foremost. And then, you know, understanding that and respecting that. And as settlers, you have your own land and your own places that are super key and important your communities. Everyone's indigenous to somewhere. So finding those and finding the uh, beauty and importance of those cultures as well. I'm half German. My family comes from a little village called Geismar. I've had the privilege of going there twice in my life. Um, my opa, Gottfried Schaefer, it's, it's his village. And we've been there since 1300s when the Catholics came and uh, we had uh, made us do a sentence. So everyone's indigenous to somewhere. Finding those places where the land, the resources are connected, you're connected to, and having a relationship to those is the most key and most important thing. And to be honest, I think that we're talking about relational poverty with the land, with with creator, with each other. There's a lot of development work in that. And honestly, speaking as a settler, I realized the more I've been hanging out with Nate's actually, how relationally impoverished I was. So actually, I was at the Nate Symposium now in June in Nova Scotia. I came away from that challenged, saying, who am I? What are my roots? We've always just said, oh, we're Canadian, we're settlers. I I adopted that language, but I'm like, but who? What is my story? So I actually did some ancestry work and I did the swab in the cheek of the DNA and just to discover, and I I got my husband to do it. I'm like, we've got to understand our story. You're not Cherokee, are you? No, nope. <laughs> I wish. I wish. <laughs> no, it's not. It's okay. That, okay. that was a joke. That was a joke. No. Well, thank you so much, Bear, for spending this time with us, pursuing peace, um, releasing this book. Congratulations on your new book. Now, before we go, though, how can our listeners buy your book? My book's available on the 24-7 Prayer Canada website. Also, we have a dark room account where you can buy prints of the specific pieces in the book. 
Also, you can follow me on Instagram at Randall Bear Barnettson. Uh, you see most of my work there. And yeah. And we'll put all those links into the show notes and so that our, our listeners can go ahead and buy that Christmas gift. I think I want to buy myself that for my Christmas. Uh, <laughs> also, smoke signals. I respond to those too. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It's been a pleasure. Snachelia. Thanks for listening to the Journey with Care podcast, where paths connect over real-life stories and honest conversations. We hope you continue to join us on this journey of faith, reconciliation, and loving our neighbor. Be sure to like, follow, and share. Journey with Care is an initiative of Care Impact, a Canadian charity dedicated to connecting and equipping the whole church across Canada to effectively journey in community with children and families in hard places. Learn how Care Impact is transforming the way churches engage with child welfare with our Care Portal technology and academy training. To support this podcast or to learn more about us, go to careimpact.ca or click the link in the show notes. We're so glad you are part of this journey with us as we journey with care, even in the messy. Until next time.